Yo, this is Jerry Sylvester, and you're listening to For Those Who Know. This season, we'll talk with artists, musicians, and other creatives, journalists, educators, and anyone else who's contributing to the culture, pushing the needle and stretching the margins. From one-on-one conversations to roundtable discussions, covering everything from hip-hop to quantum physics. Wait. Wait, okay, no, not actual quantum physics, okay? But if you're unfamiliar with black culture, then it might just sound like it. (laughs) Addressing the world the only way we know how, talking about it. Everybody has a story to tell. These are just the ones you should know. Let's go. Yo, if this is your first time listening, where you've been, if you're a returning listener, Welcome back. This is Jerry Sylvester, and you're listening to For Those Who Know. Yo, this is episode 10. We got to pay the bills first. Um, you know, first and foremost, I want to thank y'all for listening, for rocking with me. Um, for 10 episodes, man, this is pretty big. This is a pretty big deal. Yo, it's been an amazing season so far. Um, yo, this is the last episode of uh, season one, and uh, then we're gonna take a little quick break, have a little hiatus, and uh, come back, um, you know, and come back to uh, continue to bring y'all quality content. Um, you know, just sit down with some, you know, more adult people and just have real ass conversations. I wanna, I wanna give a very, you know, shout out to everyone that's come through, hung out with us in the pink room, in the studio already, this whole first season. Um, I appreciate everybody that's coming you know, share their stories and contribute it um, to for those who know. Um, this is, you know, just as much as um, yours as it is mine, and I definitely appreciate it. So, you know, thank you to Jahan Jones, Yvka Pierre, thank you to Abe Cox, Andrew Sasan, Justin Smith, Lisa Jonay, Maya Janine most recently, thank you. Um, yo, it's been an amazing, um, Journey has been a really dope experience, you know, creating this show, putting it together, you know, and um, I learned a lot. I learned a whole lot. Um, you know, we're still learning, you know, we're still going to continue to, you know, improve on, a, improve on the design. And uh, with that said, um, yo, this is episode 10. Yo, 10 in this boy. I have a really good friend in here with me, out from Arizona, in the studio, in the pink room. And um, my man, my man Mace, also known as uh, Ryan Mason, Coach Mason. Gang, gang. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, a little background um, about, this, about this brother. You are you're a basketball coach, a collegiate basketball coach, um, with at least a decade or more skin in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, ten ten you years have, now. Yeah, ten, ten years of coaching uh um, D2 basketball. Juco, Juco. Juco. Junior college. You're right. Because there's, there's a difference. Yeah, there's yeah, a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a difference. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because not all, not all junior colleges are. Well, yeah, they're, they're Division two schools and they're junior colleges. Yes. Two separate entities. Yeah. Um, yo, your squad specifically, region champs from 2013 to 2015, NJ, CAA. National Championship 2014. Yes, yes. Um, time. And uh, 
the ACCAC conference champ for 2015. 2015, 2016, and 2017. 3P. 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 Yo, man. That's, uh, yo, and you're, and you're a young man. You're 29 years old. Uh, I'm, I'm 30. Oh, now. shit. 30, 30, 30. That's right. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. hey, hey. <laughs> That's right, yo. Dirty 30, my bad. You right. Crazy. You turned thirty. You turned thirty back in March. Yes, I did. That's right. Um, yo, man. You yo. You've at a young age already, man. You've you've had a very um, decorated career as is. Um, so first and foremost, man. You know, thanks for coming through and rocking with me. No problem. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be in the city. Yo. So this is the last episode for this season. You know. Dang, I feel some pressure now. <laughs> a little bit of pressure. You got some heat recently. Yeah, you I, mean, <laughs> I, I, was, I was in here. I listen. You know, I'm a subscriber. Everybody subscribe by tunes. It's lit. Yes, um, yes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, you've, you've had some heat, so I'm, I got, got a little pressure on me. Nah, man. We're going to take the pressure off, man. Yo, we're going to talk about two very um, simple yet complex entities that are, um, one that I know for sure are both um, passions of yours. We're we'll gonna talk about music. We're we'll gonna talk about basketball. Yeah. Um, and then everything else, man. We'll see where it lays at in the middle. Those are definitely two things that I know. Yo, music. Two things that I know. And basketball. You know, so, hey, we we might squeeze some movies in there too. Oh yeah, that's another that's another <laughs> subject. You know, I I can get in on that. Sidebar. I don't like Anthony Mackie. We can talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tupac. Yo, because you got a bandana on right Yo, this man has a bandana on right now because he just saw all eyes on me. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let me preface this. This is the summertime look that we rocking, you know. In Arizona, everybody that's out there, you know, it's 120. Yo, so trash cans is melting. Yo, it's crazy. It's looking wild. It's crazy in them streets. But trash yeah. cans are melting. Listen, I have not seen all eyes. I plan to see it just for the culture. But, yo, Anthony Mackie was a horrible... Uh, yo, that's not yo. That's an understatement of a portrayal of Tupac. Like the man, literally in the Biggie movie, yo, he literally just said, "I'm, I'm Tupac. Tupac." Yeah, it was pretty bad too. Like that was horrible acting. He's Shout had out. he's had maybe two roles I rock with him on. One adjustment bureau. The adjustment bureau. That's a great movie. Um, it's a phenomenal movie. Love that movie. Um, and two, I believe it's uh, I believe it was some. Is it the the night catches us, or is that a different flick? It's 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 a, it's a joint. It's like a Black Panther joint. Mm. It's on Netflix. I haven't checked that out yeah. one out yet. I might have to cue that up. I mean, he's okay as a as Rhodey on a Avengers, on and Avengers, Iron Man, and all that. Yeah. No, he's not Rhodey. He's Falcon. Falcon. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Avengers. 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 He's Falcon. Yeah. Shout out to Don Cheadle. He's Rhodey. He's an amazing actor. He is. He is, now he <laughs> is an amazing actor. That's my guy. All right, but we gonna put a pin there. DC. Um, music and basketball, man. First things first. Um, where do these two things overlap? Like, like where in, in your in your expertise, um, where does music and basketball overlap? And first, let me preface it like this. Rap and basketball, sports and basketball are so synonymous. They want to be us. We want to be them. We want to be them. Yeah. Drake, right? That's dope. 
Very true. Yeah. Shout out to Aubrey. And so, yo, shout out to him. I give it up to him. He ain't got the song of the summer, though. Bryson Tiller got the song of the summer right now. No, Rihanna. Bryson Tiller's verse on Wild Things is easily replaceable. <laughs> I really wish my man Party had it done that. Shout out to the writer. Part, Party <laughs> has a song of the summer. Shout out to Party. P&D. Oh, man. That's jokes. Yeah, I like it, though. Yo, where does music and basketball overlap? I think... Um, or where? Where does it overlap? I think the overlapping of it is within the, the culture. I think, you know, one of the most influential people in hip-hop uh, culture in the last 15 or so years has been Allen Iverson. Mm. Um, when AI... AI start, doesn't get brought up a lot. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's just we, you know, we've kind of forgotten. But Selective memory. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And, I mean, his place is... is you know, etched in stone, mm -hmm. you know, the jerseys, the baggy clothes, the do-rags, mm -hmm. the, the tattoos. He personified hip-hop culture. He personified hip-hop culture, hip -hop culture in the time mm -hmm. as well as being himself but also great on the floor. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of overlap, the cultures are very, very, in my opinion, parallel. parallel. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they definitely run the same line, run the same, run in the same circles. I mm -hmm. mean, you see it all the time. Basketball players taking pictures with rappers, rappers taking pictures with basketball players. Right. It's very, uh, very similar. Now, I would, I would argue to say that it may even go back further than AI. Yeah, I, I would say so, too. I mean, the, they're definitely, I mean... Jordans, and if you look at the shoe in general, is ha, is the shoe of hip hop. I mean, definitely. I well, mean, well, Air Force that's Ones. That's debatable. Yeah, I mean, but Adidas have Adidas, Air Force Ones specifically. Yeah, 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 those are all staples of the culture. Right. Um, but from a basketball shoe, the basketball. I mean, how many rappers have mentioned Jordan in their lyrics? Right. You know? Shout out to Nelly and the Saint Lunatics. Yeah, 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 but I mean, like you know, I you know Biggie, I perform like Tyson, like MJ, Tyson, Jordan, yeah, like Mike, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like these are elements of not just basketball but sports in general mm -hmm. that are always in hip hop. Plus, it's a great—they're great metaphors. They make for great metaphors in the, in the when we break down bars. I know yeah. a lot of y'all into mumble rap, but... <laughs> <laughs> Nigga, you into mumble rap. Hey, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, business on the street. Um, yo, it's interesting, because I've, I've, I've found that a lot of um, hip-hop artists are avid basketball fans. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're seeing that in, in, uh, in forms of journalism. Yeah. If you... Uh, mm -hmm. If you watch some of the sports shows that are coming on TV, they have a lot of artists on there. Um, you know, for example, Wale, Wale. Mm -hmm. he did the intro for First Take. Mm -hmm. um, Lil Wayne does the intro for First Take's Fox Sports. Uh, it's called Undisputed. Yeah. Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. Um, but yeah, he did the intro for that, I believe. And 
a lot of times they are the guests. You know, I've seen Ice Cube on there recently mm-hmm. talking about the Lakers and sports. And I've seen, you know, Lil Wayne, Wale, Joe Budden, you know, a lot of hip hop artists, yeah. you know, that, you know, love sports. So, yeah, I think that there's definitely a um, part of that that is mm-hmm. within the culture. Now, I think it's also interesting, too, just, just as an observer, I think that there's been an embrace or embrace rather um, of rap and hip hop and of our culture from mainstream sports, right? In a way that I don't feel like was always there, especially growing up and you know following music or following rap specifically and being into sports. Whereas now it's it's so much more um, of an open, like I said, of of, of an open embrace, well, right? Where where you even have yo yo, what's my man? And I, I, I forget his name. Um, sports journalist, um, yo, he, yo, he, he used to tweet out Jeezy lyrics. Oh, Jay Billis, all the time. Yeah, he still does. Yeah, you know, and so like, and, and, and like, I think that's dope, right? Yeah. Now, granted, and then he finishes it off with "Gotta Go to Work." Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's, it's always like super early. It's mad early. Well, maybe because yeah. it's Arizona time, but like, he always five in the morning. Like, yeah, it's crazy. You know, and, and I think that's dope because I mean, now one, of course, like these are regular people, and they they, they all have music taste. Right. right, but but to see it influence, um, you know how people um, detail and um, talk about sports and sports journalism and, and and the news in that way, I think that's dope. I mean, honestly, I, I feel like, and 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 maybe maybe this is arguable, um, but I feel like one of the focal points for that shifting in the culture was probably around maybe the mid '90s. Rest in peace to my man, Stuart Scott. Stuart Scott. Stuart Scott, legend, legendary, definitely, definitely rest in peace to that man. He was a uh, great, great anchor and journalist Mm -hmm. um, of his time. Yeah, the the booyah Mm -hmm. and like introducing hip hop slang Mm -hmm. into mainstream sports journalism was very, very big, very big. Like you know, you know, I remember why he made Sports Center interesting before. Mm -hmm. it was just news at first, yeah. you know, reporting on the game, what happened right. during the game. But Stuart Scott, very linear. Yeah, he gave it. He gave it flavor. Mm-hmm. He gave it flavor, and that's that was dope. Yeah, yeah. I definitely pay homage to him, and he. I think he's probably the first to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, man. So I, I, I definitely think that's that's kind of where, um, at least I I cognitively remember how the culture started to shift for for music and sports. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I would definitely agree with that. And so kind of on that same vein, like I said, yo, 10 years in the game, coaching basketball. You're in New York every year for the NBA draft. Yes. Now, and, th- and, those, and those that know me and know me well, they know, um, yo, I, I, I don't follow sports to a T. Hashtag sports tweet. Has- yo, basketball, basketball tweet. tweet. Yo, Football word. Tweet. <laughs> You know, so if you follow me on, you know, on Twitter, like, you know, so during basketball season. Or football yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick season, story. This man don't really watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> Probably the only American that doesn't watch the Super Bowl. That's wild. Yeah. I remember there was one year and like, y'all were like, yo, where you at? I'm like, nigga, I'm watching anime, B. <laughs> America, anime during the Super Bowl. Yo, it's I don't crazy. know, man. I was, you know, you know how I get down. But. You know, now granted, and, and it's funny because I always so joke deep. about, I always joke on Twitter like, yo, I haven't really followed basketball since like the days of like 
you know, Robert Horry, Horace Grant, B.J. Armstrong, Luke Longley, the Bulls. Like, like I come from that era. You know what I'm saying? Like, shout out to, you know, shout out to Chris Mullen. Shout out to John Stockton, Carl Malone, Gary Payton, the glove. Like, you know, like, that's my era. Yeah, late 90s. I yeah, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, like when, 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 when. Some call that the golden era. Which, was, which is also ironic because the, uh, the other golden era. In hip hop. In hip hop. Around that same time. Around that same time, my yeah. man. It's a correlation there. There is a correlation there. I absolutely think there's a correlation there that we should definitely expound on. Um, maybe not in the content of this conversation, but I, I definitely think that's something worth worth examining. I don't I don't know that it's have been. Yeah, I think I might be able to write a whole dissertation on that. Yo, word, word. I got a few things to annotate on that. But <laughs> but 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 straight up, like so like so for me, you know. And and yo and, and, and I played sports much like y'all played sports in school, um, you know, but my 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 personal interest in in athletics, you know, one you know I ran track through school, ran track in college, but kind of after that, yo, like there's ever that time where it's like, yo, like I, I don't I don't have to follow it so closely, but that's also because I have people such as yourself who I know that I can glean from, and I, if I have questions. Now, granted, you know, I watch Sports Center just like everybody else. Um, you know, I catch the highlights. I read the articles. Um, because I do like to be somewhat in the know, right? right? But when there are things that, you know, I, 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 I check for context um, about, or that I maybe I may feel some kind of way, and I'm like, okay, well, well, well let me check the levels on, on really what, what this situation is that's happening in sports, whether it's basketball. Kind of like what's going on on the ground level. Yes, yeah, gotcha, you know what I mean. Gotcha. So like, you know, so you know, you know, I, I I hit you on the jack, and I'm like, yo, what's the deal with D'Angelo Russell? You know what I'm saying? Like, like stuff like that, where, you know, and I know one, you as someone who does follow the sport, but then also from the perspective as also being a coach, yeah. um, you know, and and working and ushering in, you know, young athletes, um, as well. So I know you have a very, very, you know, um, very interesting and unique perspective on that. And so I say all that to say, what does the future of basketball look like, both collegially and professionally? Well, that's an interesting question because it's very broad. Okay. Um, the future of basketball, I mean, we're seeing uh, certain things happen, you know, before our eyes. We're seeing an evolution of the game. Mm -hmm. um, it's very much perimeter oriented. Um, we're seeing positionless basketball. Um, explain that. Put a pin there. Explain that for me. Positionless basketball. Well, is, is that referring to um, players? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Playing different positions, weaving in and out, where it's not Correct. as static as Correct. it was back Correct. in the day. Okay. Um, I'll give you a small breakdown. Um, in the '90s, a guy like Steph Curry was considered a point guard, um, and you know that's still his classified position when you know you're voting for the All Star team or All NBA team. Mm -hmm. But and you need you, a designation to put yeah, him in. Yeah, because that you know that stuff is still structured the old way. Yeah. Um, but if you watch a lot of the Warriors games, the guy who's bringing up the ball is Draymond Green a lot of times, and mm -hmm. he would be considered the designated power forward yeah. back in those times. Right. So what you're seeing is um, people who have who are multi-skilled be able to do a lot of different things. Um, and you're seeing almost an elim elimination of the bigger uh, big man in mm -hmm. in the post. They're going small. Yeah, yeah. You see, I mean, the Warriors would finish. Now, when I say they're going small, that doesn't 
it's technically not going small mm-hmm. because you have a guy like Kevin Durant who's <laughs> Kevin Durant six yeah. eleven. Like Kevin Durant is taller than as tall as Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. as tall as you know a lot of the traditional. He's taller than Karl Malone, yeah. who would be considered you know one of the greatest power forwards. But right. he's you know he's definitely more of a perimeter player. Right. So you're seeing what you're seeing is bigger, longer, athletic guys being able to do more than what or do different things than what they were asked to do back then. Mm-hmm. So um, why is that? Um, I just think or it's... Or how has that evolved? Basketball is very copycatish. Um, you know, every once something works, they all try it. I mean, mm-hmm. you see it in a multitude of sports, but basketball, you're starting to see that sha- change and shift. Um, in the way the game's being played. And it's, I mean, it, it's beautiful. I mean, it's a great, great brand of the game. It's different than what, you know, we grew up watching where the game was more physical. Mm-hmm. Um, there were more big men on the court. You know, they weren't asked to do certain things. You weren't going to have Shaq bring the ball up the court. Right. Um, <laughs> you weren't going to have Tim Duncan. You want a Shaq to dribble as less as possible. Yeah, you weren't going to have Tim Duncan on the three-point line. You know, mm-hmm. these were things that, you know, when you thought about the greats of our era, they they just didn't do. And I mean, it's not taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't something that was emphasized at that time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a it's just a difference. It's a mm, interesting change or shift in the game. So, I mean, as the game changes, you got to be able to keep up with it. I mean, you would say the same thing about music. Further, further expounding on that, um, like I said, the dip, you know, between college sports and professional sports, where do you see college basketball headed? Um, college basketball is in a very interesting place because I believe that from a rating standpoint, they're doing very well. Um, they have the rule that's instituted right now, the one and done rule, which basically allows for a kid uh, which forces a kid to, you have to be either one year removed from high school or um, you can't go to the NBA. Hmm. So you can't enter directly from high school. So, I mean, the one-year rule basically forces you to go to college. Now there are other things that happens. There are fifth-year prep schools which kids can go to. Some kids go make money overseas for a year before they get drafted. You know, that's a very small number. The majority of kids are going to go to college for one year. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know... The major debate that changed, um, 2005 was the last year you could go straight to the NBA mm-hmm. from college. And, I mean, it's made, it's made the turnover rate in college a little different. I don't think that um, the development of kids is as good um, because they're coming in and they know that they only have one – they're only coming in for one year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, from an academic standpoint, I know you being in academics mm-hmm. prior, um, what athletes know is that – you, especially the way basketball season set up, where it's November through March usually. Right. Um, if you go to school and do your work and you're okay first semester, and you know that you're about to enter the draft as mm-hmm. um, soon as the season's over, a lot of these kids don't even go to class or anything right. second semester because right. you know you're not going to be ineligible. <laughs> like right. it's not like high school where you yeah. know it's a qu- on a quarter period. It's two semesters. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's made the basketball a little different in college. But um, I like to think that it's still a beautiful game. College is a lot slower. 
the pace. The pace of the game is a lot slower. Also, the floor is um, a little smaller, mm-hmm. and the three-point line is a little um, closer, in. closer in. So that makes the game a little, a little different. You know, there was a time, you know, recently they've instituted a couple new college rules, but there was a time when the college game had become more physical than the NBA game. Mm. Um, but the scoring got so low in college, <laughs> and, you know, scoring makes money. Right. Basketball term, yeah. Definitely. Points equal money. So the people, ESPN didn't want to see games in the 50s. Yeah. So now mm. that they've kind of changed the rules a little bit, you know, forced mm. – you know, made it a little difficult, more difficult on the defense. You can't pack it in as much. You can't hand check. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, hold guys out as much. It's made it a little bit more difficult. You know, everything's a foul now. So basically it's increased the scoring, which has increased the, um, the ratings and profits and ratings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's still good. I think the college game is really good. I don't think that – I think that the one-and-done rule might need some modification, but that's going to – that's tough to do. I mean, it there's a there's a unique interest level between the NBA um, and the college game. Mm-hmm. So the one and done rule is cool for college, and they're okay with it. But if you look at the NBA, and the NBA is the one that actually wants it. Yeah, they want it because it's keeping their veterans an extra year to make money and not mm-hmm. get them replaced right. by eighteen year old kids. Also, if you're a general manager, that year of college gives you a better evaluation sometimes than what you would get from watching a high school kid. Right. Because we had got to a point where, yeah, we had your Kobe Bryants and Kevin Garnett's and LeBron James's that, you know, were great. Mm -hmm. But we also had, you know, a lot of guys who came out, your Lenny Cooks, your Mm. um, Sebastian Mm -hmm. Telfair's. Yo, that was wild what happened with Sebastian Telfair. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, Fam. Yo. So, man. Yo, they about to throw that man under, under the, the jail. jail. Yo, yo. That yo. man was wilding for respect. I don't know what's up with that. Yo. Word to the wise. You can't have like <laughs> 17 <laughs> guns with like mad artillery. and. About it. Yeah. He definitely had all of that. Yo. Yeah. You can't have that in New York, guys. Don't do that. Yeah. Nah. That's. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Back to what I was saying. Back to what I was saying. I didn't mean to get us off topic, but uh, Sebastian Telfair is wild for that. Um, great documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Through the Fire. Yeah. Through the Fire? Yeah. yeah, Through the Fire. Yeah, love that. Love that. Love that. He was a favorite growing up. Um, but yeah, you had so many guys that weren't making it. And NBA GMs were spending first round draft picks. Now, first round draft picks means guaranteed money, automatic three, four year contract, three, uh, three year option with a three-year contract with an option for four. Mm -hmm. So that's guaranteed money. It's not like the NFL where they can just cut you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they were spending so much money on kids and getting poor evaluations on kids. Now, part of that is their fault, but at at the same time, it's tough to evaluate a kid in high school. You want to see them against men. So I think it's made the evaluations better um, by making the kids go to college, but Mm -hmm. some of the things that it hasn't. I don't think it's helped the college system as much. Briefly, you were at the uh, NBA draft. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, the 2017 class coming in. Yep. yep. How does, um, you know, the next few seasons of basketball look to you? Just, just from a bird's eye view. Um, from a bird's eye view, the league is getting younger. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you looked at the top 10 kids drafted in the first round this year, I would say six or seven of them are probably 19 years old. So at that point, you know, it's a lot of young, young people being drafted, um, being given loads of money, and being asked to produce against grown men mm. a lot of times, which is making it tough because they're being put in positions where you got to play the kid. You can't, right. I mean, he's a first round pick. You got to play him. Right. So, um, but they need time to develop. Exactly. So what you're seeing is guys getting really good or really um, where you start seeing their impact in terms of winning games, not statistics. Statistics, you're going to put up points if you're on a bad team and you're a decent player, mm -hmm. but impact winning the game winning games you don't really see until you're you know 25 26 years old sometimes and that's you know five years in for some of these kids so where i see like guys coming into the league i don't really can't really gauge their impact for for a pretty long time i mean you know you had guys like lebron james but outside of lebron like mm -hmm. who actually came in and impacted the team winning wise mm. before their second or third season. KD was, you know, I remember KD on the Sonics the first year in Seattle. Word. Was like, well, the last year in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> His first year, but their last year. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean, they weren't a good team. You know, they end up picking in the lottery again the next season to get Russell Westbrook. So, I mean, you don't see that impact from younger guys um, probably until they're 24, 25 years old. Yeah, what was the, uh, in, in, in your opinion, what was the biggest uh, draft pick of a, this year's draft? From a basketball perspective, um, I would say, I would say Jason Tatum to the Celtics um, because the Celtics are already a team that's ready, that's winning now. You know, they were the first seed in the, in the Eastern Conference. Shout out to Isaiah year. Thomas. Yeah, shout out to Zeke. Zeke 2.0. Yeah. That's what they call him. <laughs> Yo, that story is crazy. Yo, I know. His dad lost a bet. His dad lost a bet and had to name his kid <laughs> Isaiah Thomas. That's funny. <laughs> I think his dad was a Laker fan, yeah. too. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, the Celtics, uh, they drafted Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum is a, you know, 6'8, six, 6'9 six, uh, wing from Duke, and he can uh, really score the basketball. So, you know, whereas most of these kids are going to bad teams, he's actually going to a team that has expectations um, to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals or possibly get to the NBA Finals yeah. if they can get over the, the massive hump that is LeBron James. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest basketball-wise. I think news-wise, obviously, my man Zoe. Lonzo Ball. Shout out to that big baller brand. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I don't know, man. Like, like, yo, I feel some kind of way about Le Levar Ball, bro. And, and and maybe that's just because I don't like homie's tactics. Like, I I think that um, I respect the game, the hustle. Yo, I respect what he's doing as far as he created this brand and as for his kids. Sidebar: those shoes are ugly too. The logo's whack, and I feel like he could have came up with a better name for the brand. That's just me personally. I like aesthetics. Yeah, he if he would have just, <laughs> my, I like the th I like the three B's, but yes. big baller brand that's didn't yo, have to be the yo, name of it. You could have just stuck with the bad. three. You could have just stuck with triple B's. It, it yeah, that would have been that would have been big nasty. Big baller brand, yeah. yo, that sounds like some yeah. like, 
1999 yeah. Walmart shit, bro. Deadass. <laughs> Yo, it does. It does. Um, but yeah, I guess on that point, man, you know, what's... Yo, is... Is Lonzo Ball worth all the hysteria? Because what, kids were 19? Yes. Um, he, he did what, one year UCLA? Yes. Is he worth all the mass hysteria, dog? And was he worth the Lakers getting rid of D'Angelo Russell? Who, who at least, all bullshit aside, he is battle-tested. He's played the game. All right. So, long story long. Um, I've been watching Lonzo Ball play since he was about 15 years old. Really? So for the last four years. You know, I, I coach AAU, and the big baller um, team has been on a lot of the same tournaments and circuits that, you know, the team, one of the teams that I coach wow. play on. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've seen Lonzo and his brothers play. You've seen their progression over yes. the years. Okay. So when I saw... First of all, you saw it happen. Yes, I've seen it happen. And the crazy thing is, this all this LeVar craziness is new to America. Mm-hmm. It's not new to anybody that's been around or been, been around the, the circuit. Mm-hmm. He didn't just start acting like this for the, ca- <laughs> for the cameras. He's been like this. And, you know, he was doing crazy stuff. So, you know, 17UAU is typically for... Um, Juniors that are getting ready the summer before their senior year. So juniors that are getting ready to be seniors. You know, if you have a good sophomore that's getting ready to be a junior, he might be on it. And very rarely you might have a freshman or a freshman who's going to be a sophomore. Mm -hmm. So LeVar was playing 17 AU with Lonzo, who was a junior or who was a sophomore getting ready to be a junior. Mm -hmm which was, you know, it was a little outside the ordinary, but he was a talented kid, so you knew that. His other son, who was basically uh, Leangelo, who was a freshman getting ready to be a sophomore, and then he was playing LaMelo as a sixth grader. On the same squad. Same squad, 17UAU, which was unheard of. That sounds very unorthodox. Very much so. Just completely out of the blue, out of the ordinary. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was baffling, and they were beating people. It was very frustrating. Like <laughs> if you're like coaching against it. Luckily, we never like matched up or played against them. But they played a unique brand of basketball where they push the ball, they throw it up the court, and you got this little sixth grader shooting long threes, yeah, draining, le- leaking out, getting layups, and then you're you know they're yelling at their kids like you're letting a sixth grader score on you, like like it's crazy. So it that was unheard of and mm. something that wasn't you're, you're just not supposed to do you're not supposed to play a sixth grader you're barely supposed to play these other two brothers mm-hmm. who on the same on a 17 U circuit yeah. that's unheard of so when all of the stuff happened start happening at ucla and you start hearing lavar claim they're going to win a national championship you know ucla is going to do this lonzo's better than Steph Curry. Like, it was never, like, that surprising to me. Because okay. it, it just, they just put a microphone in front of his face. <laughs> this is stuff that he was already saying. Yeah. Now that the, now the world gets to hear it, it's, it's big controversy, and it's on <laughs> every sports show, and he's got to do 9,000 interviews. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't have a problem with it. I think that, um, 
you know, some the only thing that I didn't agree with what he said was the after they lost, they made he made the excuse uh, that you know how are they supposed to win like like four white players on the court like that was wild. That's little D. Yeah, yeah, that was wild. Yeah, he shouldn't have said that. First of all, because one of those white players is T.J. Leaf. Shout out Compton Magic. Uh, T.J. Leaf is a first-round draft pick by the mm-hmm. Indiana Pacers, so clearly right. that kid's pretty talented. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I didn't agree with that. But outside of that, everything else was kind of the norm. And the Lakers did their due diligence. You got to understand that um, Magic Johnson is now running the Lakers. Right. So the general manager. Uh, he's the president. The wow, general okay. manager or the um, is Rob Palenka, okay. who is actually Kobe Bryant's old agent. Oh wow! Yeah, so they have a you know interesting relationship. Dope. Kobe Bryant's an advisor, from what I've been told too. Mm-hmm. So you have okay. a lot of you know when you talk about two of the arguably, in my opinion, yeah. Shout out to Kareem. I don't <laughs> want to disrespect, but in my opinion, those are the two greatest Lakers of all time: Magic Johnson and Kobe Bryant. Five rings apiece, five <laughs> MVPs. Shout out Kareem, though. Kareem's definitely there with those two. But yeah. in my opinion, those are the two greatest. And you got them, you know, handling and making a lot of decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they did. I think they did their due diligence on taking Lonzo at two. Um, I think Magic, in some ways, sees a little of himself in Lonzo because that's the style of player he is. Very unselfish. Um, mm-hmm. Get the ball up the floor, make the right play. Um, very fancy passer. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, in my opinion, he's one of the best passers to enter the league, maybe since LeBron did in 2003, 2004. Wow. Um, he's unique, very even keeled. You never see the kid really get rattled or mm-hmm. um, act out emotionally. And um, in terms of like the D'Angelo thing, in my opinion, um, and I like D'Angelo, and I think that they could have played together. Mm-hmm. Um, D'Angelo could have played off the ball. Um, I think D'Angelo being moved had more to do with the salary cap than it had to do with them bringing Lonzo in. Mm-hmm. I think they had already made the decision to bring Lonzo in. Right. And from there, um, D'Angelo became a casualty of not necessity, but we c- were trying to clear cap mm-hmm. room to do other things. Now... The Swaggy P incident did, didn't help that situation. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I think that what the criticisms and why the Lakers would be looking to bring in Alonzo Ball outside of his similarities <laughs> to Magic and Jason mm-hmm. Kidd and the other people that he's been compared to is the idea that D'Angelo Russell is a very talented player, can score the ball, can pass the ball, yeah. great handle. He can do a lot of things on the basketball court. But um, I think Magic was quoted as saying, we needed a leader. They view Lonzo as more of a leader and someone who is going to get the best out of just his team, himself and his teammates. So whereas D'Angelo is this talented individual. He couldn't have been that? Uh, I think his maturation is different. I think everybody's um, maturity level is different. I think Lonzo, they consider Lonzo a more mature young man and, and, and player. I think that D'Angelo may have developed into that, mm-hmm. but I don't think they viewed him as that now, and I don't think that they viewed him as... I don't think they projected going forward that his impact in terms of get it, galvanizing his team mm-hmm. would be the same as Lonzo's would be. 
Because, yo, wasn't he supposed to be a franchise player? Yeah, you, you take a guy at number two, two years ago. They took him two years ago. I was here. I was at the draft for that one, too. I was happy for that one, too. But they took him two years ago at number two. And, yeah, you were supposed to be a key part of Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, but to his credit, he was the leading scorer on the team. I think he averaged like 15 a game, mm-hmm. four or five assists, four or five rebounds, something like that. It wasn't – he has great numbers. I mean, if you look statistically and compare his numbers to the – Hardens and guys that he was compared to going out mm-hmm. after year two, he's he's on par. I just think that with the change in um, management, when you talk about Magic and Palinka, you know they were looking more for you know a leader, and that that's what they consider Lonzo Ball. And everything that when you hear Magic speak about Lonzo, that's the first thing he jumps on at every th- every time he speaks about him, his leadership ability. So, you know, to me, that tells me that they didn't see necessarily that type of leadership ability in D'Angelo. Now, Magic also, he also voiced sentiments that he wants players that other players want to play with. Correct. Right. As it related to D'Angelo Russell. And so to me, that just leads me to believe that there was um, a shared consensus in the front office that the team didn't want to play with him no more. And that, that could be the case. That could be the case. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not inside of the organization. I love D'Angelo Russell, for the record. I think D'Angelo's going to be an amazing player for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. The Brooklyn Nets are terrible. But <laughs> D'Angelo yeah. Russell is going to be their best player um, by far. And you, Jeremy Lin, which isn't good. Um, but um, I like Jeremy Lin. Man. I like Jeremy Lin, too. But if Jeremy Lin's your first or second best player, that's probably not a good look for you, too. <laughs> but, yes, he's definitely skilled, you know. And he went to Harvard. Yo, shout out, yeah. shout out to Harvard. You know, represent. Um, you think he'll do well? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, you got to define do well. Because there are a lot of guys that put up a lot of great numbers and stats on bad teams. So if you ask me if D'Angelo Russell is going to come in and probably average 18 to 20 points a game, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say so. He's that talented of a player to do that. Are the Nets going to win any games? I don't know. I doubt it. Not this year. Not for the foreseeable future. They have no draft picks. They have no assets of that they can trade. Um, they don't have any free agent value. Like nobody's coming here via free agency. So I, I don't know that. I don't know when they'll be good or when you'll see that on the mainstream. Mm-hmm. You know, they're never going to be on TV, um, national TV at least, mm-hmm. because of you know wh- what they have. They've kind of you know, kind of mess up their future. You know, they don't have a draft pick, first-round draft pick until 2019. Why is that? Um, they traded. They traded their draft picks um, in the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce deal um, that sent Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce to the Brooklyn Nets uh, after they were past their prime. Um, they thought they were loading up for a championship. This was during the <laughs> promotion <laughs> The utilization of Jay-Z as the face uh, of the team. Uh, They had Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Mm -hmm. Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Brooke Lopez. And they thought that that team was going to compete (laughs) with the Miami Heat, with LeBron (laughs) and D-Wade and Bosh. Yeah, that didn't happen. (laughs) So, yeah, they they made that trade, basically trade away all their future assets, um, draft picks to Boston. And Danny Ainge walked out 
as arguably with the greatest trade of all time. He he flipped that into what's going to end up being three lottery picks. If the Nets finish in the top in the bottom three again next year, which I'm almost guaranteed that they will, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're the Celtics will be a playoff team that has their the for the third straight year have a chance at the number one draft pick, which is unheard of. Yeah, that's crazy. Yes, it was a wild bad trade. It was one of the worst trades of all time. Yeah, whoever made that trade, <laughs> man, I'm not an NBA general manager. I know that job is tough, but. Jeez. Yeah, that's that's wild. Yeah, no, I can't. But, yeah, we'll see what happens, though. We'll see what happens. I do like D-Lo, D- though. Okay. Big fan of his game. So then moving forward, still talking about, you know, this, just the, the state of basketball as it stands right now. Word. Yo, man, what are your summer predictions for uh, next season? Coming, coming, coming off the heels of um, Golden State, you know, winning there. Second NBA championship in three years. Um, yo, what, yo, what do you see happening again next year? More life. <laughs> <laughs> nah, more W's for Golden State. Barring injury, man, there's mm-hmm. not there's not much you can do with that team. That's a well-oiled machine. Um, their coach didn't coach the whole playoffs basically, and they didn't lose a game, which means that they're on cruise control yeah. right now. You have Kevin Durant. You had a great team. You add Kevin Durant, who in, is the best scorer in the world right now, mm-hmm. You know, arguably the second best player in the world right now. Um, and he fits so seamlessly into what you do because a lot of the, what they do is based on ball movement and he isn't a ball-dominant type of guy. He's not a guy who has the ball a lot or dribbles a lot. So you just imagine as great as Steph Curry is. Steph Curry is 6'3". Mm-hmm. Imagine getting in a guy that can do most of the things that Steph Curry can do, and he's 6'11". And yeah, you just – and you, it's not like you got rid of Steph Curry. You still, <laughs> you still have him too. Right. And they both do the same things. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, it took a little bit of adjustment, but he just fit in – based on what they do so seamlessly because he's unselfish mm-hmm. and he can move and come off and, you know, defensively he can switch. I think you, what you saw this year from Kevin Durant is um, all of his skills that you've seen in doses in OKC, mm-hmm. you saw all of them on display in the finals for large periods of time. So you were able to gain a greater appreciation for his individual talent. Um, because he was in the perfect system. He was, mm-hmm. the, it was the perfect mix of great player meets great system. So, yeah, more wins for Golden State. Let's talk about the elephant in the room about Kevin Durant. So there is, there is great contention mm-hmm. about his addition to the Golden State Warriors, right? Mm-hmm. Based on him le- coming from a team that – you just lost to the previous year before. You even had them on the ropes for a while, mm-hmm. um, which looked like OKC at that time were championship contenders. 
I, I would disagree that they okay. were championship contenders. Okay. I, um, I think that the style in which they played wasn't conducive to winning a championship. Mm. I thought they had two top five players in the world on the same team, which mm. automatically put them in certain positions to be successful. Right. But to win a championship, it takes um, a little more than what they had, in my opinion. Um, but I understand where you got where you're coming from. I think that the um, to the untrained eye, to the untrained eye, the comp yeah, to the untrained eye, the competition level. They were up three one on Golden State. Mm -hmm. You know, had a chance to get to the finals right. or you know compete for a championship. They let them come back and they lost. And then Kevin Durant jumped ship. Uh, to the untrained eye, that looks looks bad, but you know. To the basketball eye, um, to my eye, what I see is Kevin Durant seeing a place, and not only seeing it, but you get when you're on the court with it, you get to see it up close and personal, mm -hmm. where the ball moves, and you don't have anybody over dribbling, doing anything crazy with the ball. You know where your shots are going to come from. You understand um, how precise that everything is being run. You know, I tell ba I tell people all the time, basketball is very much like art. Um, mm. In terms of when you see a very well-oiled machine on the basketball court and they're making passes precise and everybody's moving and everything's working yeah. in great... In tandem. Yeah, in great tandem. Mm -hmm. You, It's much like art. It's like seeing, you know, a beautiful piece that, like I saw at the moment today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's beautiful. Um, the way the Warriors play is beautiful, and you know that's kind of why they win. It's why they've won 190 some odd games over the last yeah. two, three years. So I mean, kudos to them. Two out of three, it's not bad. I mean, it ain't a three peat, but two <laughs> out of three, it's not bad. You kind of touched on something that I, I, I kind of want to embark on. Um, you talk about you talked about as far as OKC not having what it took to be a championship team. Right. So having been a coach, part of a club that won a national title, what does that look like? Like, what does, what does having a championship team look like? Because even as you mentioned, right, Kerr is sitting on the sideline not having to coach, right? Not saying that, he, not saying that he's not a good coach, that he didn't need to coach. Well, the groundwork has already been right. put in. It was already laid. Mm -hmm. um, so one, how do you even coach a team like that? And that, that's the second question. The, the, the former is, what makes a championship squad? And, and, and for you, you know, having been in that position, um, you know, going all the way up to the championship, was that something that was identifiable, like, throughout the season? Did you know from the jump? Or was that something that did not uh, become recognizable until y'all had won the, the national title? Um, with us, it was more... We started hitting a stride late in the season mm -hmm. where we just felt like, okay, we might have something here. Mm -hmm. But what it was was a couple of things. One, having the best player on the floor helps. <laughs> <laughs> because at any given time, that dude can get a bucket. Yeah. That, that, that helps. Mm -hmm. Two, um, the understanding of roles. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the problem, I think, with a lot of teams is the lack of understanding of roles when it comes to basketball. What you should be doing, when you should shoot, 
who should shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we tell kids that basketball is not a democracy. Mm. Shooting is not a democracy. We determine who's going to shoot, not you. This is a dictatorship wow. from a coaching standpoint. So, you know, and a lot of kids don't like to hear that, and it doesn't usually work out for them very well. But we've so made how is that a system that you were able to implement? Well, I think um, b- complete buy-in by the guys. Mm-hmm. You have to buy into what the coach is selling. Mm-hmm. If there's resistance on that level, or if you're often trying to prove that the coach is wrong, you know, you're never going to have complete buy-in. Mm-hmm. So if there's no buy-in, you can't – you got – to win a championship, you got to work together, you know, to move as one. If you're not moving as one and you're all working in different pl- different parts to try to do different things, then you're not going to be successful. Because, first of all, there becomes no consistency. You don't know where your, your points are coming from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I got a guy whose main job is to shoot threes and he starts trying to take the ball to the basket, like, no, it's not, <laughs> you know. We used to tell a kid he – the kid on the, not the championship team, but the year after, I think he broke the record for threes in, a, in the ACCAC. And, um, you know, we used to tell him any time in practice he'd shoot something other than a three. We don't pay you to shoot. <laughs> now, now, obviously, we don't pay kids. <laughs> You're right. But they are on scholarship. <laughs> so when I say we don't pay you, we don't pay your scholarship to shoot. So. Yeah, we would yell at him for, yeah. you know, attempting anything outside of three-point line. Right. And it, it, that was a very rare occasion. He never really did it in the game. But, like, mm-hmm. that's because the roles have been allocated and they're, they're understood. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably mm-hmm. the, one of the keys to success. And I think you at the – M- Yeah. that position and play it well. And at the NBA level, the problem with that is that you have very young men who are making millions of dollars who, in some cases, have been – you know, the best score on their team, but they may not be the best score now on their NBA team, mm-hmm. and they're consistently trying to prove something. When you put – it's easier to do it in college because there's no money involved in it. Right. When you talk about stats and things like that, you know, there are bonuses and things that are allocated to guys for to reach certain goals. Mm-hmm. You know, there's – you know, yeah. Paul George lost about $20 million this year because he didn't make one of the all-NBA teams. Really? Yeah. See that that's crazy, right? So from what side twenty twenty one million from where from endorsements? No, 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 no. From like the opportunity to get paid, um, got with it. With your from, next contract, got it. So like when you make an All NBA team, they they have an incentive now that you can really it allows you to make the super max, which for some players, depending upon how long you've been in the league, escalates the value. So he's been in the league, I don't know, seven eight years maybe. So, you know, he would have the opportunity to make, you know, at his end of his next contract a little little more, but he didn't make the All-NBA team. Mm. So when you have incentives like that, it mm. puts in the individual goals become more important than the team goals. Mm. So that's why it's very tough at the professional level, Which in my opinion. the overall dynamics of how the game is played. Yeah, to get complete buy-in. And you got to also understand, in college, the only person who's getting paid is the coach. Right. So at that point, that's a dictatorship. (laughs) I dictate to you what's going to happen. If you don't want to do it, I find new players that will do it. At the NBA level, kind of the opposite because the players are making all the money. So the easiest person it is to (laughs) To find is the coach. (laughs) The coach is making, you know, in some cases, 
two, one, two, three, four million dollars a year. You got players making twenty-seven. Yeah. Russell Westbrook goes and says that he don't like Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan's out of there. <laughs> Russell Westbrook's make he makes the money. He sells the tickets. Yeah. He's the one that everyone's coming to see. You know, they don't come to see the the players. Yeah. I mean the coaches. Yeah. So I mean. So when you mix that up and you talk about winning, mm-hmm. it's tough. It's just tougher to do that. Yeah. But um, back to us, like we kind of realized that midseason, we hit our stride. Um, we got complete buy-in from all the guys um, to their roles, and you know, a lot. Some of it's luck. Some of it is just mm. pure luck. You know, teams that you get matched up with when you get to the national tournament for us is mm. is great. And um, we started playing a unique zone, which a lot of teams weren't able to figure out um, once we got there and helped us defensively and made some shots. Yeah. <laughs> made some shots and got it done. It was, uh, it was a good job. Kudos to those guys. That's a bond that we uh, never break. We see those guys still all the time. They've all now since most of them have graduated from college. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 2017 now, so most of them have graduated. So we see them all the time. We all still have our championship rings. So yeah. it's a uh, it's a great bond amongst the mm-hmm. uh, that crew. Mm-hmm. But what was your second question? Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I think it was um. Damn, what was the second question? Sorry, I get a little long winded when no, talking no, about hoops. No, it's, it's it's cool. Um, you know what? I don't know. It'll come back to me because I, I I thought of something else. For sure. Um, you're in a unique position in that. Um. You know, you're a little bit younger than um, your head coach. Um, Not that much. Matt's only 40, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, a, it's like there's a 10, 11-year gap there. Yeah, but I, he also started when he was my, my head coach. Shout out Coach Gordon. He started when he was 20. He got the job at PC when he was 26, wow. 27, something like that. Wow. Which was crazy. So yeah, he was young too yeah, as yeah, the as yeah, the head as coach, the head coach yeah. which was that's wild. Yeah, well, I, I guess I say that to say, um, your position is unique in that you're not so much older than a lot of your players. No, nah, we listen to the same music, right? <laughs> um, which is which one? I mean, I, I definitely think that's dope, but I think that also kind of lends to that buy-in. I think um, there's a certain degree of connection and relatability that maybe. Um, you're able to serve in a way that maybe the head coach or maybe you know other other assistant coaches may not be able to facilitate in a very same way. Is 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 that? I think this is where hip hop comes in. Okay. Because um, I subscribe to hip hop culture. Yeah. So I'm in tune with a lot of things that are going on within the culture, which is understood by the youth. So when you know. I come in and I'm recruiting and I got on, you know, some Ultra Boost Adidas and, you know, you know, cut off shirt or, you know, I'm wearing a bandana right now. <laughs> I probably wouldn't go recruiting in a bandana, but my, my backwards hat on and, yeah. you know, it's funny. I get looks like, oh, you're the coach. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know I look kind of young. Gold chain and Jesus piece on it. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I... <laughs> When I, <laughs> when your Jesus peace can't bring you peace, Dog. so I lead just at least uh, one of Russell's nieces. Fam, shout Chill. out. But yo, straight up, shout out to you. Yo, 
you be recruiting with your Jesus pieces on? Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> why not? This is who I am. This is a part of who I am. I can be equally knowledgeable about the game mm-hmm. and still be, be ratchet. No, not ratchet, but this is just <laughs> I mean, this is how I dress. This is yeah. the culture in which I subscribe right. to. I'm not old. Um <laughs> you know. Your favorite rappers are still the same age or older than me. Uh you know. I would imagine Drake and Kendrick and yeah. Cole and you know Big Sean and yeah. Wale and all the favorite rappers that are in my age bracket. We all kind of probably dress the same way. <laughs> we subscribe to the same culture. Right. right. So just because, like, as um, most coaches don't necessarily identify or subscribe to that culture, or right. they change their appearance up for that, right. I like to use it to my advantage. Okay. Um, I'm, you know, I don't really want to wear a polo and slacks to the game. So yeah. I'm going to wear what I normally wear. And I'm going to talk to the kid, you know, how I normally t- would talk to, you know, anybody. Yeah. So, I mean, and I think that that level of, um, that level of being grounded and still in tune with what's going on gives me a little bit of an advantage when I go to speak to them because they feel as if they can talk to me more on a different level. Mm-hmm. You know, like they can talk to me about women. They can talk to me about music. They can talk to me about fashion or whatever they want to talk about outside of just basketball, yeah. which is what a lot of coaches, the angle in which a lot of coaches are coming because they're not in tune with what's going on or right. what, you know, they don't know who, Lil Uzi Vert is. They don't know who <laughs> Playboy Cardi is. Right. So like, because basketball is just one aspect of of their life while in college. Yeah, it's a big part, but it's only one aspect of it. Exactly. There's a lot more that's going into that, and understanding that is is very important. Yeah. Um. Have you ever felt that because of that, um, you've you've had to deal with some co- some challenges because of that? Um, I would say so. Um, you know, I've gotten not let into certain games because people didn't believe I was a coach. I had to go to my car and grab my business card. Um, wow. I've, you're not a coach. Oh, no, lady, I'm serious. You're not a coach. Okay, let me go get my business card to, to prove. Um, Opportunity-wise, I don't know that you know, that I've had anything that hasn't been given to me because of that. I, I don't know. Um, but I would imagine that I've always wondered what I would do when it got to a certain level if I would change things up. But I don't mm. I don't think I have to. I mean, I've seen pretty cool coaches. I mean... This is Jay every day? Yeah. 24-7? Hey. 365? What Jay say? I'm gonna always keep the do rag on. <laughs> yo, yo, he took the do rag <laughs> off though. He did, he did. Yeah, he 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 ain't, in the, he ain't in the do rag no more. But I guess that's probably because he in his late forties. <laughs> but uh, but nah, I don't I don't think so. Not yet. Um, I have examples of coaches who I see um across the country that I kind of look up to um in that terms of like maintaining themselves. Um, like I see Tony Bland at USC. My man be out in his J's, Jason Hart at SC. Like, they be rocking, like, you know, I'm sure that they have interesting stories. You know, I didn't see them out in Scottsdale a couple times, too. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't don't think I have to subscribe to anything 
to show that I know the game. So yeah. I would hope that that hasn't happened, but who knows? Maybe. I remember what my second question was. Um, it was about, not specifically about Golden State, um, but how do you coach a team that, that the groundwork has already been laid and developed? Like, at what, like at that intersection, like, what becomes your job? Um, this is where the Phil Jackson uh, lines help. Uh, Phil used to give his team books to read. Um, he used to do different motivational tactics mm -hmm. to try to create confusion to so that they can you know try to respond to it. Mm -hmm. um, on our level, I, I would believe that you know we we continue to create competitive practices. Mm -hmm. Um, if your games aren't competitive and you're on cruise control, then you have to do something to, you know, spice things up. Right. So whether that's, you know, make the second team play harder or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you're doing, you have to keep your team on edge because the one of the keys to basketball is not peaking early. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to peak in January. You want to be playing your best basketball in March. Right. Um, when you're, you know, you're hitting your stride and going to playoffs. So I would say that, you know, just creating new challenges for your team every day is a major key to, so that things aren't dull. Yeah. Switching things up in practice. Maybe if, you know, high energy drills, just to keep thing, keep the flow going. Don't let them, don't let them get too much into habit. Or, yo, we'll take a quick break real quick. Sure. And then we'll be right back. Yo, during this quick commercial break, I want to take a few minutes to tell you about an amazing new product and introduce you to Monsoor Sharp. It was created with the urban renaissance man in mind. It's the perfect facial hair product for men of all shades and men of various hair types. They take pride in skillfully handcrafting each bottle to precision. All right, fellas, now listen up because this is where it gets good. Summer Solstice is a premium beard oil that embodies a light, non-greasy formula that harvests a smooth, shiny, and well-conditioned beard. And beyond that, the fragrance is amazing. I've tried it, I was out here flourishing, had my beard looking and feeling luxurious. And these are just some of the benefits. Moisturizes skin, improves hair texture, rejuvenates skin cells, eliminates beard itch, promotes hair growth, and helps with inflammation. You can get it for your bae, or maybe that special friend who you secretly want to be the bae. Yo, either way, Summer Solstice is not just a hype move, it's the right move. And find out for yourselves at MonsoorSharp.com. We back. <laughs> so, um, real quick, let's wrap about this real quick, man. So, before we even sat down to uh, to record, we uh, banged out um, episode one, season four of uh, Power. Shout out, yo, fifty, yo, nigga. What's my man name? Amari Hardwick. Yeah, Amari Hardwick. That's my guy. Um, Saint James. Yeah, James, James St. Patrick. James St. Patrick. Yo, Jamie. Shit is ill right now, man. Yo, what do you think this season's about to look like, dog? Um, 
I think we're going to see the large, vast majority of this season, you're going to see ghosts in jail. I think so. I absolutely um, think so. Going through a lot of tribulations in jail. Yo, Charlie Murphy beat his ass at yeah. the end of the episode. Yes, he did. <laughs> it's very sad. R.I.P. Charlie Murphy. Yo, yeah, man. Um, but I think we're going to see that a lot. Um, I think you're going to see a change in how you view characters. All great shows usually have this. How about um, the turning point in like the dynamic of the characters? Yeah, you know, it happened in the wire. Yeah, it, it, it happened in yo, and it's crazy, and and not and not to deviate too much, but I remember when we started watching Twenty Four. Yeah, <laughs> you were like, yo, um, yo, don't get too attached to like. No, no, you said it about the wire. You told me not to get attached. I to said it. that about Game of Thrones. Oh shit, you're right. You, you don't, said, get don't get attached, attached to, to anybody. To anyone can anybody can get, get it at yo, any given time. Yo, you're right. You're right. But but I guess but really in, in, in all great shows that I just named, like I think those might be in like my top five TV shows, like The Wire, Twenty Four, Game of Thrones. Those are definitely in my. Um, those might be my top three. Yo, easily, easily. Um, shout out Jack Bauer. Yo, Jack Bauer. Bodies. Can, can we shout out Marlo Stanfield? Yo, man. I ain't really rock with Marlo. Though. All right, all right, all right. Okay, shout out Wood Harris. Yo, shout out to Wood a Harris. Avon. Avon. Hey, I rock with Avon. Avon Parksdale. Shout out Avon. Shout out to Avon Barksdale. But my name is my <laughs> name. Marlo gave us that line, bro. My name is my name. Hey, that might have been the hardest character in the whole show. But, but, um, but yeah, man, like, like, so you said you, you, you think that the dynamics of, of, of how we feel about characters are going to change? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I think Angela's character has already changed. I think yeah, she, she started. Yeah, well, she started as a sympathetic char character. You understood where she was coming from. And then I think she's kind of changed into this like, oh, my God, I hate this dumb. Yeah. Yeah, her. And then, you know, you were mad at Tasha. Now you see Tasha. Because yeah, I, I keep it a buck. I was Team Angela. Yeah, you know, because Tasha had the crazy affair yo, with the with the she, kid, she was with Kanan's son. She was OD. Yo, she was. She, she was stripping in the back of my man's <laughs> car. Like, yo, 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 yeah, women like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Like, yo, ta yo, Tasha, Tasha was stripping. If my man paying the car note and taking care of the business in what that situation, what you're not going to do is be <laughs> stripping for this other man in the car. If you're going to cheat, cheat, you know, you know, your property or his, or his property. Don't be, don't be in my man whip like that. That's it crazy. Their property. It wasn't both of theirs. I mean, I guess it was over theirs, but that's, that's, that's hey, still hey. wild. Goat fit, the ghost fit in the note, Yo. you know, and that's what, what got Derek Fish beat up. Said? I was just fucking them girls. I was going to get right, right back. back. <laughs> I'm a man with pride. You don't do shit like that. You don't just pick up and leave and leave me sick like that. I'm a, yeah. oh, man. Shout out to Song Cry, man. Hey, that may be a sidebar. We're kind of hopping around, but I'm okay with that. Yo, up until this point, or up until that point, I think, in his career, I feel like that might have been, like, maybe, like, the most introspective introspective we've ever really heard, Jay. Yeah. Granted, now. He's got some introspection, but. I, um. No, I, you know, I had some credence to uh, You Must Love Me. Yes, I was just about to say that. Volume you 1, You Must Love like, Me. That right there. Those, I mean, are, those like, are personal that stories. That Song Cry may be like his most like interpersonal, like, like when, introspective. When he's telling the story today. about shooting it. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah those yeah. are very introspective records. I mean, there was some, some introspection on, on Blueprint 2. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, 
Yeah, sorry, that's the goat. But we'll get yeah, to that yeah, later. Yeah. Um. Okay. So twenty. Uh, not twenty. Power. Power. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your favorite characters right now? Yeah. Um. I'm rocking with. See, that's the thing about power. Like, you don't real like every character makes you mad at some given point. I mean, my favorite character is Lala, but that that, yo, that don't really have nothing to yo, do with the storyline. <laughs> Shout out Lala. Shout out Mellow too. I'm a big Mellow fan. But um, <laughs> hey, yo, I'm not even gonna touch that. Yo, Lala is crazy. Um, um, but dog. I was but yeah, I would say Jamie. Jamie's still my yes, favorite listen, character. I was rocking with Jamie consistently because I was like, yo, I was arguing. I'm like, yo, this man has an inf- like his track record was infallible. Yeah. Until he made the one mistake that I and I and I said it offline. Yo, him killing Rolla, I feel like is the single well, the, the singular thing that fucked all his shit up. But that also comes because he's so loyal to Tommy and he's always taking Tommy's advice. And Tommy is a great character. I love I love, love Tommy's character. Yeah. Great soldier. Horrible decision maker. <laughs> Should not be a leader at no. any cost. Yes, great stuff. He's wrong about everything. <laughs> everything. Every decision that goes goes to Tommy to make, uh, talk to him about possibly making and Tommy's answer is always wrong. <laughs> always the wrong answer. Dog. And Tommy got him to kill Roller, and that was Rola like... Roller sat across that table for him, and he was like, I'm your, your friend. friend. Yo, hey, that was... Hey, I had to turn away, man, when... When Ghost killed Roller. Yo, for real. When Tommy killed Manolo. Exactly. That was that moment for me because yeah, I was, I was very, like, very is, similar feeling. Yeah, very similar. I was like, this is feeling. ill, man. Killed your man. And then, and, yo, and, and, then, and then, then when he found, he found out, had to live with it. <laughs> yeah, had to live with it. Let that sit with you a little bit. Yeah, that was crazy. But Jamie's still my favorite character, Ghost Jamie. Um, yeah. I think that his intentions are always good. Um, I think that he's trying to. Uh, he's always trying to keep everybody out of harm's way but by doing that you put Put people in in harm's way his relationship with angela because he his relationship with angela here's the thing here's how i feel and obviously this is a tv show (laughs) but in reality if angela's really rocking with you like you think she's rocking with you you should have been up front with her from the jump and let her know what was going on as far as what like what yeah, because my idea is like, you know, I you can use the police as an asset. She love you. Like, she has unblinding, crazy love for you. That means that she's, you know, she's willing to put her life, her job on the line for you. Like, you ain't got to have her actually moving the, moving the joint, but, you know, she keep looking out for yeah, you. Yeah, ear to the street, let yeah. you know what's going on. You could have utilized that to your advantage, but kept trying to hide things, and then the relationship wasn't working out, and then... Then, you know, you got the slip up. Yeah, like, bro, you done done all this dirt for the last 20 years, and you get caught from a fingerprint on a window? Nigga. I don't believe it. Yo, it's... I don't yo, believe it. And, and you know what? And honestly, I feel like that wouldn't even have happened had he not broken up with her. Nah. 
Cause that's I feel, revenge, bro. Right, right, right. She right, hurt. Right. She in her feelings, Joe. Whoa, 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 whoa! The lawyer did tell him that he needed to get the evidence that they had against him. Yes, but what he shout said, out my like, man Turtle. Yo, shout out to Turtle Proctor. He doing his thing. But yo, but he was like, I didn't, tell you, I didn't tell you to break in the man's apartment. But also, yo, yo, you making amateur moves, dog. You in the dog. You're yeah. in the game. You making amateur moves. You leaving. You leaving bare fingerprints. Yeah. On the window. What part of the game is that? Yo, come on. I'm not a criminal, but yo. I know that. Yo. That's facts. Word. He I'm messed st- up. I'm still trying to figure out, like, talk about it. They got his DNA under his fingernails. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out where that came from. Yeah. Or if that maybe maybe when What's-His-Name stopped him, did they get in some type of altercation? I don't know. Nah, because, like, they showed that on screen. Like, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that scene of, like, him stopping him. So I don't know what the fingerprint is. Now in in the in like the preview of the next episode, they're talking about yo, your blood is there. But I think maybe potentially that was when Charlie Murphy's character and other cop beat his ass. Maybe they took his blood. I don't know. I, I don't know what's happening. What's his name? Definitely planted some blood over. He definitely about to try to the director. He about yo, definitely about to try to get yo, off. Word. He's, word. He didn't throw the gun in the ocean. He's like, no, nah, I'm gonna keep this. Yeah, I'm gonna put his fingerprints I don't know on how it. It's gonna come in the head. Exactly. It's gonna get two. But yeah, yeah, I think we're, we're in for a good season. I'm, I'm excited for Power. Yo, th- the one character that I have the most contention about is Dre. I, I really like this character, man. I really, li- I really rock with him. But it's killing me because I'm like, yo, who are you loyal to? Well, I feel like Dre is like kind of like on the verge, on the edge. Like he doesn't know which way he's, he's going to tip. He doesn't know if he wants to be... Ghost was trying to educate him and school him, get him out of the street I'm life. Not trying to change you, just, just give you some, some game, game to make the transition from the streets, streets to, to the, the fame. fame. Come on, man, that's another hove bar for you guys that don't. And know. as y'all know, y'all listen to this show long enough, you know we, yeah, we dropping J references all day, every day. Yay and J references all day, every day. Four, four, four. <laughs> Yo, we ready for that? Um, I'm ready now. I'm ready now for that. One. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, dog. I like Dre. Yeah, I, I love I love Dre. I think Dre is a, a very dope character, a very complex character, because I think that Dre doesn't know what Dre wants to do. Yeah. I mean, even the scene in which he's uh, trying to get Tariq back from mm. Canaan, yeah. um, and he's just like, you know, I get the money. All right. You know, yeah. you could tell he's looking out for the he's kid. He's conflicted. Yeah, he's definitely conflicted. You know, he's loyal to Canaan. Or he's afraid of Canaan, one of the two. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think he's more afraid of Canaan. And and you know I think he genuinely cares now for Ghost and his family. Mm-hmm. So I think he's really trying to do what in his best interest. And he's also trying to self preservation as well. Yeah, and I think he's also trying to you know show that he can run the business too. Yeah, like he's running the business now that Ghost is in jail. So yeah. you know that's a that's an interesting facet. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting season, man. I'm 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 hyped now. I mean. You know, and we and we've talked about this offline. Um, yo, I have really bad anxiety, and so sometimes I get so invested in characters, like in stories, it's hard for me to just like sit there and watch it. Cause I remember, I don't know what, I don't know if it was after season one of twenty four, cause season one, first season twenty of twenty four, is like traumatic. Jack Bauer, like traumatic, killed more people on television than, than any, any other man. Um, yo, I had to take like two, three weeks off, man. Same thing with The Wire. I was like, yo, I can't watch it, dog. Like, 
Yeah. Those shows is deep. and I got a lot to process. And you also got to take into account, they be like 20-some-odd episodes per season. So, like, yeah. (laughs) That's why when you knock over that many episodes in the course of a week, week and a half, like, that's a lot of episodes. You be messed up. Yeah. Um, All right, so shifting direction into um, hip-hop, man, and, you know, talking about, or at least rather bringing it back to, you know, this this overlap between sports or, or basketball and, and hip hop and music, um, you know, I'll, I'll ask you the same question I asked. You know, when we opened up, um, you know, where do you see um, hip hop going right now? Um, as as uh, obviously as um, you know, uh, someone who subscribes to the culture, who's who's you know views and you know also informed by the culture and a fan of just the music. Um, Evolution. Um, we're entering into. Um, I think we should be at almost fifty years of hip hop, going on 50, forty, mm-hmm. uh, forty-five some odd years of hip hop. So I think we're s- starting to see the separation of different genres of hip hop um, with the younger kids. What I see is um, more of a, a lot of subgenres. Yeah, what I what I see is a lot of. Um, the old form of hip hop, which was rocking the party, where you know the lyrics are dumbed down, but the way the music is supposed to make you feel, um, the producer is now the new DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and there—that's who affects yeah. the party, and you're seeing that being brought back to to life in some ways because you see extremely dumbed down music but mm-hmm. you know the way it makes you feel is undeniable right. you know that I was just I was just in LA at Lock and Key man shout out Lock and Key that's a crazy day party but uh you know they play Playboy Cardi Magnolia like three times and just the reaction to it was was in New York I met Lee Rock hey how did it my side <laughs> hey like yo we was going crazy it was undeniable yeah see Here's where I, I, I tend to struggle at with like, you know, a lot of like the new class of of, of rap or like hip hop, and like and, and it's evident in Double XL's recent freshman ten cover, like. Yo, by the way, T Grizzly should have been on that. It's crazy. First day out, the new uh, intro definitely should have been on that. That's crazy. Y'all missed on that, guys. Yo, yeah, that cover looks horrendous to me. One and, and and I don't and I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, and so now there's like maybe like I'm allowing like a larger chasm between um, like the kinds and the brands of like hip hop or music that I digest, um, and then that you know that that is you know permeating through you know the mainstream. But that cover looked ridiculous. Like there's like two people on that cover that I was like, all right, I rock with these two cats. Everybody else. I don't know that they're making quality music. At least, at least as I as I would frame it, and also someone who considers himself to be a purist. But I'm trying to like, you know, loosen the reins on that and 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 and, and take in you know this younger generation of music. Um, one as someone who makes music, and then also you know as a fan of music. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree. But I mean, I think that the appreciation for a certain type of music 
isn't going to be there based on a specific age bracket sometimes. You know, I think that, you know, what an 18-year-old wants to see mm-hmm. or wants to hear, me at 30 years old, I may not want to hear. Right. Now, some of those same things might um, come together at times, mm-hmm. you know, or and I can appreciate certain things, and I'm sure, sure they can appreciate certain right. things. You know, I can play them some old J mm-hmm. and play them some old, you know, push or, well, I mean, you know, I can play them some of, you know, what we would consider um, great music or great tracks or great, you know, bars. I think the crux of music right now, or at least hip hop right now, is... But they don't care about that. Well, they don't, but I think the, the intent, like, you're, like, this is vibe music. Yeah. Like, like above all, like, and, and you know what? I can't take anything away from that. Well, I heard, I heard um, Vic Mensa. Uh, Vic Mensa said he coined it swag okay. swag music so what are you doing with swagging out so like you know that's what i consider it that's a i think that was a good term a good phrase to use just because that that's kind of what it is it's not i don't think it's meant for anything else and if you ask them like the funny thing is the competition that we relished in rap when you had competitive beefs jay nas those things right. where guys are really battling it out on wax right you're not going to yeah yeah, yeah. Beans. yeah. Oh it was a, they were proving who was the nicest they wanted right. to show that they were the nicest yeah. you're not going to get that from a little yachty they don't really care who's right. nicest you know they're they're not going to be in competition with each other they're going to you know do shows with each other and rock but yo but isn't that the crux of the culture dog like hip hop hip hop is a full contact sport. It's yeah. a competitive, like it, at least these these were the principles that the culture was founded on. Correct. Right. Now to that point, though, I do believe, um, yo, hip hop, hip hop is a young man's game. Correct. And right. we're seeing a transition in that. Right. Um, you know what I'm saying? So like, I understand that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that if you look at the people who are making legitimate money off of hip hop, mm-hmm. you're, we're talking about guys who would be considered, you know, maybe outside of Drake, who would be considered in the old school form of lyr- lyricist. Right. When you look at the people who are selling major records, you're talking about Kendrick, you're talking about Cole, um, Big Sean, um, you know, even Chance to some degree, um, even though I would consider him, I think he has bars, but I don't know if I would consider him an old type of rapper i think he's kind of got his new wave no definitely definitely i don't think i would great kanye influence but um i think you look at those guys they're making you know even meek mill they they make music that would have been appreciated in the 90s and in our era of growing up so i don't think that we've seen a complete change i just think what you see from the youth is different because they're what they're looking for is different so what they want to do is different. So they want to party, they want to rock. So you're getting a lot of this swag music, which is, um, I think it's okay. I mean, I think we had our form of it too. Right. No, we had Little John and the East Side Boys, we D4L, yeah. um, which, which them franchise was, boys. was whack at that time as well. Yeah, but I mean, but these were the songs that you wanted to hear in parties a lot of times. Right. They, like these, you know. You know, I mean, Laffy Taffy was a crazy song. It was I mean, a good record. Shout I didn't like it like that. But yeah. if I went out, yeah, it went out, yeah. Like, shout out to the buzz. Like it. <laughs> I don't um, know about that. You know, 
you know, those like like those records, those records snapped. Um, you know, and and I don't know. I think you know when you follow the culture and and you know you 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 understand music to 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 the degree that yo, there's an offset like that's 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 needed. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, back in the day, it's like for every, you know, for every what, um, let's say Wu Tang, you have, you know. And MC Hammer, like you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, there's yeah, yeah. like there like there's always been like, you know, the 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 yin and yang of it. Yeah, I think we focus more on the on the negative stuff than the positive stuff these days. Right. Um and I think a lot of it has to do with And not that Hammer wasn't dope, but I mean like he did what he did. Hammer made pumps in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> but like, but it's crazy because it's like I know as a kid, like, yo, I loved Hammer. But I also loved Wu Tang, you know what I mean? Yo, I, was, I was off ha- Hammer after he made that dish record against <laughs> Jay Z, where he was running through the woods. Like that was, yeah, that, was that yeah, that was that was a little that was a little random. Yeah, but, um, you but, know, but 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 to that point, that I feel like that's something that I've always recognized. You know what I mean? Like there's always been um, balance, know, balance, like yeah. A duality in in the culture, which and, which is and needed. I still think that there's balance, yeah, and I no, still for sure, and for I mean, sure. and I still think that. Bar sell and lyrics ring out. Um, you have a a curator, and we've been using that word a lot this weekend. A curator mm. of sound like DJ Khaled, mm. and if you listen to a Khaled album, you're gonna get a lot of everything. Right. You're gonna get some Migos. You're gonna get some Nas. Mm. You're gonna get some uh, Kendrick. You're gonna get some Drake. You're gonna right. get some Rihanna and Bryson Tiller, mm. which is a crazy record. Um, you're gonna get a lot of lot of everything. The sound smorgasbord. Yeah, a little bit of flavors. Yeah, something for everybody Mm -hmm. on there. You know, you got Pusha and and Jadakiss on a song. You got Fat Joe on a song. Like, like those are these are people who you know are giving you bars and have had major records in the last you know year and a half. I just think that we focus on the youth so much instead of spotlighting you know some of the stuff that we appreciate like. You know, within the youth, I think there are rappers that are, you know, I struggle to name them sometimes, but there are rappers under 24 that have bars, 25. You know, you talk about guys like Joey Badass, you talk right. about guys like Vic Mensa, mm-hmm. you know, Vince I love Staples. Vince Staples, mm-hmm. I love Chance. These dudes really rap their ass off. Right. And they're, and I think that they have quality content. Exactly. And I think that we should appreciate them more as opposed to actually. Um, condemning some of the people that we don't consider who have bars. Right. So, I mean, I think if we spend as, the elder generation spend as much time bigging up those guys, mm-hmm. their following would be larger and would gain more influence than the guys that you're trying to, you know, discourage or put down. And don't get me wrong, some of these kids bring it on themselves, you know. The little Yachty interviews where he's, Basically showing no appreciation for hip hop. Yeah, that's corny. But at the same time, y'all keep putting a microphone in front of his mouth <laughs> and asking him questions that you already know the answer to. It's like the same thing with LeVar Ball. Like if you stop putting a microphone in front of his mouth and yeah. tell it he's You're not gonna hear that man. Exactly. But clearly you guys want him to say something controversial so people can run with it and run with this whole narrative that of old versus young. And I think yeah. that we kinda need to get away from that, especially as a... Well, I mean, 
in hip hop. There is ageism in hip hop. There is ageism in hip hop, but that doesn't mean there there can't be appreciation for the other age right. just because they're doing something different or doing something that you don't necessarily rock with. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it looks it looks like you know my grandmother's or my mother's time period when I see somebody that's you know. 29 30 30 35 mm-hmm. and they're saying boy turn that music down that's <laughs> that's what it sound like to me like yeah. when you tell a kid to turn off his you know whatever he's listening to his yachty mm-hmm. or uzi or whatever he's listening to like there should be more embracing of the culture mm-hmm. you know one of the one of, in my opinion one of the most important people in that is fab Fab makes it stays connected, Yo, you know. Easily one of the most consistent as well. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. he's gonna give you him, right. which is bars, which is punchlines, right. and then he also manages to mix in youthful invigorance to you know keep, right. you know keep himself relevant. You know, Fab did a song with Lil Uzi Vert on his last album. You know, he did. He's done songs with Dave East and right. other young people to kind of bridge the gap. Right. And more um, OGs need to do that. Yeah, you got to be able to bridge the gap. And it's and the problem, in, in my opinion, is the young people don't have an appreciation, but sometimes older people haven't gone back to educate. I agree. No, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think those of us who are a little bit older in the culture... I think it is our responsibility um, to kind of reach back because we can't be mad at the next generation if we have not given them the game. Right. Um, and, and to be honest, I feel like the cycle that's perpetuating really is no different from the generation before us, right? Where once again, like you have, you know, the forefathers of the culture feeling like, you know, we don't pay enough homage. Right. Right. But it's like, well, yo, it was your responsibility to make sure that we knew where we come from exactly. with this culture so that one, you know, we know where we're headed, but that so so that we have that history to kind of uh, pass down. Right. And to start doing that now is almost counterproductive because you just look like you preach it. Right. Like. And, and, yo, and young cats ain't trying to hit it. Right. You know, at, you know, they 18, 19, you start mm-hmm. feeling yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the way you're, you're not going to be as receptive right. to it. It was, but I do think it's important work that that we do. Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely important to try for the preservation of the culture. Because at the end of the day, you know what? For me, it's I feel like it's even larger than just like music. Like I care about the preservation of the culture itself. Right. You know what I mean? Like 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 the tenets, the beliefs. Like I kept the history. Like I care about the culture. Yeah. In terms of music, though, a lot of it has to do also within that. The household sometimes in which you come up in and kids like I came up in a real musical household mm-hmm. not that any of my parents were artists or anything but you know my dad collected a lot of CDs you just had younger parents yeah I did have younger parents so you know my mom shout out Coco um, she took me to shout out mom my dudes P Diddy and the family <laughs> tour she ain't gonna want to hear this <laughs> but I'm telling the story anyway yo how old were you fam yo I was all of like Eight, nine, yo, nine years old. Nine years old. Your mom's probably like. My what? mom was 29, maybe. She's 29. Y'all yeah. sitting in P. Diddy and the family. P. Diddy and the family um, in Chicago. That's why you don't act right. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we sitting in, in P. Diddy and the family. They in the back smoking weed. Like, I 
don't know what's going on. It's crazy. Lil' Kim on stage. She butt naked. <laughs> um, Buster Rhymes throwing water on people. You know, the yeah. locks is performing. Yo. Diddy out there dancing. You know, but those, those are... Those experiences gave us something to bond with. Yeah. So, like, I can now, I have that experience to talk with my parents about yeah. hip-hop. I didn't grow up in a household where I was told to turn my hip-hop off yeah. or, turn, turn, or turn it down. My mom, you know, sometimes mm. bought, like, tapes. I don't know y'all don't remember cassette tapes, but I had, <laughs> I remember I had the single to Mo Money, Mo Problems, the cassette tape. <laughs> so it had the edited version, yeah. the clean version, and then if you turned it on the back, it had the instrumental version yeah, so if you have right. bars you could spit on them like <laughs> i didn't have bars so i didn't spit but but yeah yeah, yeah. my mom bought me stuff like that yeah. and then you know my dad had he had a big thick huge encyclopedia thing of cds yeah. that where you know when i would just be in the car chilling waiting on him to do stuff you know i would be listening to different things mm -hmm. and i always had a wide variety of music like my parents play would range from you know, Jay-Z to Anita Baker. Yeah. So yeah. I have an appreciation for the music and a lot of the things within the culture that came before that, right. you know. So, you know, not just hip-hop, but, you know, R&B and, yeah. you know, it's real music dope. In music, music in general, exactly. So I think that that's, I think that that's important in terms of... Uh, sustaining the culture. Sustaining the culture, yes, because I... I wasn't born when the Jackson 5 came out. Like, yeah. I shouldn't have an appreciation for the Jackson 5. Um, but my parents kind of did their due diligence because that's what they grew up listening to, and they would listen to it, so I would listen to it. Yeah. But they also would listen to what was current in today's time, mm -hmm. so I would listen to it. So being able to pass both those on mm -hmm. to your children, it, may, it would make them feel better. So yeah. to I would tell parents to make sure you're in tune with what, is being going on, be, yeah. first of all, because you want to make sure that it's not listening to anything crazy, but secondly, also because you want to be kind of in tune so that they would also gradually want to be in tune with what you were listening to when you were their age. Right. So, I mean, that's an important fact of it, too. Yeah, yo, because you know what? Um, my OG, my big brother Tone, shout out to Tone, Black shout Tone B. Tone. Yo, my nieces, dog, like, he makes it a priority to play the music that he was playing and that he was listening to when he was coming of age. Right. Shout out to Myth Blade. Um, and, and, and like, so Round just- Around here. <laughs> so like having been around them and, you know, and, and, you know, and watching them, babysitting them and, you know, just being in that space, like, I'm like, yo, that's dope. Like I like, like to sit around and you see someone playing like Dilla for like, you know, like their six year old daughters and then for like them to be like, yo, can you play Lightworks? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like that's dope. You know, and, and, I, and it's like, that's, that's a parent making like a conscientious effort to be like, yo, I want to make sure that one, you have very sophisticated music taste. You know what I mean? So I'm, so I'm, I'm going to play, you know, Slum Village, uh, Dilla. I'm going to play Tribe. You know what I mean? Like. You know, and you know, I'm gonna play some new shit. Like, 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 I'm a, like, you're gonna be hearing Eric Robeson. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like, these are the things that you know. You want your kids to have this, this, this appreciation for, so that they grow up and have well, here you know, a healthy, in, you know, intellect for music. Here's the important factor in that. But when they get out and they become older, 
and they develop their own taste for music, yeah. and they come back and they want you to hear so-and-so, mm-hmm. you've laid the foundation for them. So mm-hmm. now when they come back to, let's say they want to play a mustard beat, mm-hmm. and they want to be like, yo, it's elements of Dilla within this mustard beat. Like, check this out. What, you, what do you think? Mm-hmm. That's where mm-hmm. being understanding as the parent yeah. has to come in because right. at that point... You can't shun it. You can't shun it. Right. Yeah. So, like, it's, very, it's a very important... Um, combination of both of those but yes yes because they under now that they understand the foundation now that they when they develop their own sound and what they want to listen to taste yeah yeah, they'll have their own taste and be able to Mm -hmm. combine the both of them see and that's dope like i want to be able to do that i want to make sure that like my kids have you know a healthy appetite um and you know an intelligent appetite for music consumption especially for hip-hop right you know, because 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 now of course like yo know, once once they get older you know you kind of don't control what they listen to now no. now I came up kind of in a slightly different music environment in that my parents I had older parents right um yo know, my parents weren't <laughs> listening to anything remotely similar to what I had right like yo know, I got an ass whooping because I had the brat functified tape cassette. So, yo, so. I love that record. Like, hey. that whole album was dope. It's like, the BRA AT, Shot Town in the house. Yo, shout out to Shot Town. For you real. Know that's, uh, what's her name, sister? The Brad is Lisa, um, yeah, Lisa, Lisa Ray's sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I know that's crazy. Shout out Lisa Ray. Um, shout out Players Club. But, um, yeah, <laughs> Shot Town, we in the building. Dollar yo, Bill. You know what I mean? Shot like, Town. But, yo, like, one, if I had hip hop in the house, had to have edited music like yo my parents had me buying hip-hop music from walmart fam. yeah that you know what i'm saying good. now now I, I also grew up in like a deeply christian household also yeah. so that's another layer di- dynamic to it yeah. now kind of where i was able to like breathe and grow creatively and consume music yo you know my father was a dj growing up you know oh, what i'm saying okay. like like my father's from ct Group in Harlem, like he has like crates on crates on crates. So like I remember being like a young kid, you know, listening to Rappers Delight. Yo, he had Rappers Delight on vinyl. You know what oh, I'm saying? Wow. Like yeah. so, and I remember, dog. I'll never forget. I remember I threw like a birthday party, and like we have yo in Arizona, we have like Arizona rooms. So it's like they're they're like a build on attached room. Pretty much they're like a. I don't, I, Yo, I, I don't even know what you would call it. I just there's just Arizona rooms. Yeah. But casitas. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And so like, yo, I had the whole Arizona room, and my pop set up two like his two turntables. He set up his two turntables for me, and I DJed the party, fam. So like, like I'm playing like his old shit. So I'm playing like Rappers Delight. You know what I mean? And then I'm over here and I'm playing like the OJs. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> like, because like he has all this shit on vinyl, and then you know. My sister put a you know a, a mix together you know now at that time so you know we're, you know we're probably playing 702 total at that time as well but like that was kind of like one of those that 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 period for me where like my my father kind of had more of, of an open mind for newer music or for music in general that my mom really didn't have yeah you know what I'm saying um, but because you know my mom ran shit in the house. There were certain things 
They weren't getting played. <laughs> they weren't getting played. Yeah, it wasn't. Fun. It was. It wasn't until I got older that shout, like shout out to Walkman. Yo, word, word, life. Yo, yeah. it was like I got older until like I found out like yo my my pop was buying some of the albums that I, that, that I had, huh. and he like he just had them on like his own tip, and I'd be like yo dog, you listening to this? You know what I mean? Yeah, your mama said you can't listen yeah. to it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you well. know, but but. But I know that, you know, much too good for children. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but to that point, like, I, I definitely agree. I think like like that's an interesting dynamic, too. So like when we're talking about like music history, music education and not just like hip hop, but just like music as a culture and, that, and as as an entity all around. Like. I think that does like it does start at home, but then mm-hmm. it also starts those of us who are, um, you know, caretakers of the culture like right. it's a responsibility or at least it should be right you always want to leave the culture better than when yeah. you when you got it or when you learned it absolutely so, so uh, yeah that that's that's your responsi- responsibility responsibility people anyone who subscribes to the culture mm-hmm. so i mean you have to impart wisdom upon the younger generation mm-hmm. and in hopes that they'll take it further yeah and a lot in most cases, they will. Yeah, more technology. Right. People get people get smarter, man. But at the same time, we're developing. Right. We are. But at the same time, because of things like technology, um, your know, music is hyper consumed in a way that didn't happen and didn't exist 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, you know I mean, and because you know, I talk to you all the time about like, oh, yo, I haven't listened to that. No, I haven't listened to that. And like, one, it takes it takes me personally a long time to get around to new music because. We're so inundated. Like the shelf life of music um, no longer lasts as long as it did. You know what I'm saying? So back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I had a homie to tell me he was tired of wild things already. <laughs> I was like, bro, it's been out a week. What you mean you tired of it? Like it's been out a week. No, nah, no, nah, every girl posted on Snapchat. I'm done with it. I was like, damn, Yo, I'm not tired of it. Because I, I, I'm trying to be the object of a. Uh, Somebody's wild thoughts this summer, but that's a different conversation. Me too. I ain't gonna drop no names on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, well done. But, but you know what I mean. But like, yo, the way in which we consume music is so much different, and, and and even the way that we critique music is different. Because back in the day, yo, you had to wait till that review came out. Right. You know what I'm saying. I mean, you so were. Like, we can't. We can't tear shit down in like microseconds. Right. Well, a like, lot of it. A lot of it has to do, in my is that we live in the digital age. We do. So everything is basically coming from your phone, um, right. your computer, mm-hmm. your iPad, whatever you're downloading your music to. So not getting like an actual physical copy of something yeah. allows for you to basically... You, and nowadays, you don't even... You used to have to buy the album. Right. You don't have to buy the album anymore. You can just pick the songs that you like on the album off. And keep it moving. And keep it moving. You don't have to buy an entire album right. anymore. Like, you have... Because back in the day, what you could do, though, you could, you, could, you could buy the single. Right. And then keep it moving. Exactly. But now you can't do that. You, right. I mean, you can do that. You just buy it digitally. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that when you were riding in cars and you had a... Single disc CD changer or a six disc CD changer or twelve. Some people had twelve back in the day. Like those twelve CDs, probably 
you would listen to or ate, whatever it was, yeah. they lasted you a good four or five months. Yeah. And that before that you like, rotation. yeah, before you changed them out. Ooh. Yeah. Bro. So, you know, now when there's a release basically every week, somebody's dropping something every week, somebody substantial is dropping something every week. Um, you know, you you kind of get like four or five days to listen to it, and then yeah. it's over. Like mm-hmm. the Kendrick album seems old now, and it it well, shouldn't though. It right? shouldn't though. No, if that album came out in the '90s, it would be something that you were playing for six months. It's crazy that a, an album can get old before the artist hits the tour for it. Mm. Like Ken, I don't know if he started the damn tour yet. Like that that's yeah, yeah. I'm not, and if it is, it's like just starting. So like for something to be you almost got a tour. You almost have to have your tour plan mm-hmm. as the album's coming out, right? Because to people that momentum exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to the Wale show, and it was crazy because it was like three or four days after the album it came out. For shine, and pe- yeah, for shine. Mm-hmm. And you know, it wasn't a huge show, but a large amount of people knew the words for it. Yeah. So you know, and that, and that was just the understanding of knowing was how music is consumed. Out? Was it sold out? Was the show sold out? Because he was talking on a, on everyday people, uh, not everyday people. I'm sorry. Um, everyday struggle. Everyday struggle. That that, uh, uh, that the Phoenix show was the only one that <laughs> did. The show. Phoenix show was the only one not. Sold you know, out. I don't think it was showed out. I kind of went on a whim and just and bought a ticket real last yeah. minute. But it was a it was a good amount of people there. Nothing right, bro. We we know that already. Get this shit together. They figured out. We're gonna fix that. We're gonna get to that later too. Um. Yeah, man, like, the culture of music, of hip-hop, is definitely changing. Yeah, well, but the consumption is changing, and the, and the age is changing, and mm-hmm. everything's changing. It's, I, I don't like to say changing. I like the word evolving. Okay. Evolving, ev- evolving fits, I think it fits mo- a little bit more. Some, some, some would argue um, devolving. Um, Depending on who you ask and, and, and how you looked at it. Right. Uh, but I think that's, that's, those are people who are focusing on the negative. Okay. I don't think that um, if you focus on the positive and if you look at the amount of artists that are um, lyrical, that are saying things, that have messages in them, I think you'll see that there are a large number of them. You just choose to focus on, A, what's being played on the radio, which yeah. I wouldn't know, or B, you know, what so-and-so tells you about or tells you that's trash. So, like, I mean, if you feel like it's trash, that's fine. It's okay to have that opinion. Yeah. But why don't you search for people in that age bracket that are making good music? Yeah. And when you find them, uplift them mm-hmm. so that those are the people that are getting the recognition for, the, for that age bracket. Why, why do you have to bash and consistently kill what younger people think is hot? Yeah. If you want to uplift something else, uplift that. Don't, you don't have to negatively bash. Triple X, Tentacion, I don't know that kid's name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and as we say on Twitter, you know what I'm saying, you, you, that's, uh, you know what I'm saying, get off, you know what I'm saying, get off my lawn Twitter. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, we, you, turn in, you, know, you turn into the old ass hating. Right, right. I mean, if it, I I prefer to say it's just not for me. That, I mean, I feel you, but that's that's. Mine. I also feel like we should be honest because some shit is just whack, 
And I feel like I feel like we've gotten away to being like, no, that's just whack. Because back in the day, if if it was whack, but that's perspective. Mm, I don't know, man. If there's a large audience that says something is not whack, is it whack? Yes. So it then, could, just it, all of those people still, are whack. It could still be whack. Just because something is popular doesn't mean that it's the best. It just means that it's popular, and there's 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 a large mass following behind something that's that's. Po- I mean, slavery wasn't was was whack, but it was wildly popular. That's a wild analogy <laughs> right now. I'm not gonna touch that, yo, yo. That's that's wild yo, right what now, I'm yo. Yo, you're bugging right now. Yo. That's a wild analogy. Slavery, fam? Dog. But <laughs> and it was, yo, and it was, hey, I'm just saying. Nah. Just, yo, just because shit is popular doesn't mean that, like, it's, it's, it's certified, qualified. That's all I'm saying. True, true. You know, yeah. because, because cause you have cats who talk numbers and talk, you know, that kind of shit, where it's like, yo, you have... There, there are albums that are out that may not have done or pushed as many units, but are far more superior music than some of the bigger name albums or artists that are mainstream. Agree. Right? So, like, so for me. But, but that's always been the case. Right. That, True. That's always been the case. Like, there have always been great but, rap. But, but, there have always been rappers that were underground that were significant, made significant better music than. Yo, if lyrics so truth be told, I'll probably be. Lyrically, top lip quality. Truthfully, name. I want to rhyme like common sense. But I did. Five, 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 rhyming like common sense. But so, but to that point, there was a point in our culture where we would call out the, yo, the whack shit, nigga. Okay. So, was Ja Rule whack? In hindsight, looking back in retrospect, rather, I think he was dope, man. Like I liked Ja Rule at that time. Like he, like, but, 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 but then again, that yo, that that also goes back to like that duality of like, like multiple things coexisting in a culture. Right. I I say this. There was a place. For, yeah. There was a place for that. There was a place for it. I mean, Fifty came in like. Dismantled all that shit, but that was personal. <laughs> that was personal. I don't think he really had like a great disdain for the music that Ja Rule was making. No, I just think that was a that, yeah. that was some street shit. Yeah, that was some street shit. We're not getting into that we on this podcast. Not. Um, but you know, yo, I like Ja Rule. I liked him. I did too. Um, you know, he created Drake's Lane. I don't know. In some ways. All I think Budden created Drake's lane. Budden influenced Drake in terms of emo rap, but in terms of the ex- excess poppy hip-hop okay. singing records, I think that a lot of that, a lot of that comes from Ja. I really? think the emo... Emo style. Nah, I'm not giving that to Nelly. <laughs> Nelly was Nelly was the first one with the nursery rhyme joints that was that was that was hard. Hey, respect only, though. Hey, only niggas moving units. M pimp juice and us. Yeah, yeah. That's another J bar. Y'all just getting J bars to death today. Hey, just add them up. Just add up the J lines. Let me know how many J references we dropped in this episode. Four, four, four. Yo, you promoting like we getting paid for that. I am. <laughs> it's a God MC right there. Me. 
Jehovah. Exactly. Um, Legend. Yo, man, kind of winding down. Um, you know, this climate of hip-hop that we're in, and, and, and it's wild, because I feel like, yo, I do feel like like we've been entering into like a new golden age of right. hip-hop. Right. Um, some people may disagree. Um, but I, I, I also think it, 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 it's all, you know, dependent upon who you're listening to. Correct. You know, I make it a point and a priority to, 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 to dig, quote unquote, through the crates for the kinds of music that I want to hear and that I choose to subscribe to. Right. You know, but, yo, there's quality music and quality artists that are out. In addition to, you know, a lot of the mainstream cats that are also making big music and may not be my favorite music. Yeah, but some of them are really big records. Yeah, and, and I can't deny It's undeniable. Right. I I would agree. You know. So I guess, you know, with 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 that said, yo, give me yo, I want your top five, but I want your top five I want your top five albums. Of all time? Of right now. Right now. I mean all time, I mean, I guess let's say the last I'll give you the last decade. Ah, so tough. Top five of the last decade. Um, top five albums. Yeah, you might have like three of them. <laughs> um, and when did B come out? Mm, I feel like that's in the last ten. Nah, I don't think so. Two thousand seven. That was ten years ago. I don't think B came out then. Mm. Um, I think it did. B. Like so, top five. Let's uh, let's try to do top five like artists. Albums okay. is hard. Okay, artists. Al- okay. Albums is really hard because I know I'm gonna miss something and I don't want to miss nothing. See, twelve years ago. All right. Okay. Based on based on the climate of 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 hip hop right now, what's your top five MCs? Um, Kendrick. Okay. Now, now, is this no particular order? This is no particular order. Okay. Kendrick, mm-hmm. Light Skin Jermaine. Shout out, Light Skin Jermaine. That's J. Cole for those who are uninitiated. Valora. Okay. That's Wale. Um, I would say, gotta put Drake in there. Okay. When he wants to rap, mm-hmm. he raps his ass off. Um, and I don't know. I think that that class of MCs right there, those four, I think are are what I would consider the four that stand out. You gotta give me one more, dog. Five. <sighs> All right. Who's in there? Um, I'm just. Go, I'm. A, I'm gonna go with Big Sean. I'm gonna. I, go, I knew you was gonna say Sean. I'm I a, knew you was gonna say Big Sean. Well, first of all, I got a rep for the Midwest. Shout out to the men. And plus, I think Sean's been one of the few artists that has consistently gotten better. I think he continues to get better. I think a lot of those guys started at a really high level, Mm -hmm. and then they kind of either plateaued or, um, you know, they're, you know, you can see different changes, but they're still who they are. And they all came in the game with a lot of cachet and popularity. Um, But yeah, that's what I would. Active rappers. That's what I would 
okay. lean towards for a top five. And when I say active, that means consistently releasing albums right. within, you know, one to two years. Okay. Um, and then lastly, top five NBA coaches. In the league right now or ever? I'll let you do ever. No, let me do right now. Okay. I can do right now. Okay. Um, Greg Popovich, still the best in the game um, with the Spurs. Level of consistency is unreal. Um, Brad Stevens, coach of the Celtics, amazing basketball mind. Um, some of the greatest plays that I've seen. Um, Steve Kerr mm -hmm. uh, created culture. Um, uh, Tom Thibodeau, uh, I know Minnesota struggled this year, but a defensive wizard. Um, he helped the Celtics win championships. He was basically their defensive coordinator when KG was there. Mm -hmm. Coached the Bulls uh, through the Derrick Rose great years. And, you know, now he just got a new job with Minnesota. That's four. And let me see. Can I dip into college for my fifth? Cause I I, I'll allow it. I want to go with Coach K, I man. Knew <laughs> That's the legend, man. This man got like 87 gold medals, <laughs> five national championships. Like, he's like the godfather of, like, coaching right now. He shit's on cruise control. Like, they win every year. Easily one of the most respected coaches. Easily, easily. Legend. Um, yo, man, what's next? In brief, what's... What's next for you? Um, same thing. Just continue to do more of it. Isn't that right? Same thing. Just continue to do more of it. Um, right. More coaching. Um, got big things going on. Uh, Compton Magic, the Adidas affiliate brand I'm associated with um, in the spring and the summer. Uh, Phoenix College. Try to make another push towards what the greatness that we're doing. And um, a little surprise for y'all. Um, Arizona, we're going to be getting a podcast of sort okay. in the very okay. near future. Um, hey. Spotlighting culture, spotlighting dope list, spotlighting a lot of different things. Yeah. Got a couple of good friends working with me. Um, I guess I'll mention them on air. Uh, Relly Rail, my man Darrell. Shout out to Relly Rail. Shout out to Ashton Alexander. Hey, hey. Shout out Eva. Congratulations on the baby. Hey. Um, my man Josh Good. You know, shout out little brother, little brother Josh. That's definitely little bro, and uh, and one Jackie Monique. Hey, my ace, what's up? Trying to okay. get her get her back on the mic, you oh, know. Yeah. So yo, man, well I'm yo, I'm I'm excited for that. I know, I know we've we've spoken and 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 brief about you know what I'm saying your your show and your endeavors, and you know I look forward to to hearing, listening, look forward to being on the show in the future. Yeah, 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 definitely um, get you in when you come to the city. Definitely, man, and. Yo, dog, thanks, man. I, I appreciate the time. It's a little bit lengthy, you know what I mean? But this was dope. Like I so said, this was, you know, to, to kind of cap off the season. Hey, man, you got to talk that talk sometimes. Yeah. Hey, we, know, we had a lot of things to discuss. Yeah, most definitely. Most you definitely. Know? And, you know, I, yo. Um, yo, I'm not going to leave without mentioning one of my favorite rappers. Yo, I'm, dog, who? Shout, shout out my man, Troy Ad. Oh, nigga, I'm cutting the mic. No, we're not talking. <laughs> What my man say, God is great in my paper straight. Yeah, I love that guy. Shout out him. Greatest greatest interviewer, not the greatest rapper, but the greatest interviewer on in rap right now. Go watch his interviews. Yo. On that note. My spirit was whipping the foreign. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs>
on that note, yo, man, where can people find you? Um, you can find me all forms of social media, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Twitter, RC Mason one. Yep. That's me. All so right. check me out. Yo, y'all, this is it, man. This has been real. This has been dope. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for supporting the show. Please continue to support the show. By all means, as I always say, y'all, rate, review, share the show. Yo, hit me up on our email. Hit me up on our Twitter for those who know. Um, you can find it in our show notes. Ideas, suggestions, people that we should sit down with, reach out to. Yo, let us know. Um, you know, bear with us. We're going to take a few months off. We're going to come back strong and you know, picking up what we left off, man, and continue to, like I said, provide five-star quality content, um, you know, and, 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 and content that um, specifically is for the enrichment of the culture, man. And, you know, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I want to do. And that's what we hope to continue to, to, to do here with this show, man. And, I, you know, I'm excited to see where, uh, where the show can go, man. And, you know, hope y'all continue to, you know, to rock with us. Yo, so um, in closing... Um, yo, shout out to Sway Jerry as the music rides out. Um, and we'll end like this. Continue to push the needle, stress the margins, shift the culture. You're listening to For Those Who Know. Hey, peace!